Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week two of our look through First and Second Samuel, the first day of week two. We're going to look at First Samuel chapter four today. Remember, we talked about last week that First and Second Samuel, in essence, it's a story of four men and their heart before God. Samuel, the man with an open heart, Saul, the man with a troubled heart, Jonathan, the man with a divided heart, and David, the man after God's own heart. But there is one other major character, in, in a sense, in First and Second Samuel, and that character is represented by the ark of God. Throughout First and Second Samuel, we're going to see things happen with the ark of God, which is the place of God's presence, and it gives us a sense of God's presence throughout these books. First Samuel chapter 4 through chapter 6 tells the story, it's sort of a twist to a modern movie theme. The ark is actually stolen by the Philistines, and it's taken to their country, and when they take it there, they suffer many, many things because of them taking it there. So you might say, in this case, it's the, the raiders of the ark lost, how they lost because they took God's ark from God's people. It's the story of how these people thought they had won a great victory by stealing the ark of God, but they found more on their hands than they bargained for. It's a strange story. It's strange that God would allow the ark to be taken. It's even stranger that he would allow the Philistines, the enemies of God's people, to take the ark, and it's stranger still what he did to the Philistines. So why did all this happen? Why did God allow it to happen? Well, the entire story in these chapters is an object lesson concerning God's holiness. God has something to teach us, to teach you, to teach me about who he is and about how we relate to him. And the teaching in these chapters that center around the ark centers on the word holy. We sing that word in so many of our hymns, so many of our songs. We talk about that word holy in so many of our messages. But what does it mean? For many people, the word holy has become more familiar as the start to a swear word than as a church word. And for most people, even people in church, the word holy takes on sometimes a, a negative connotation, a negative feel. God is holy means that God is distant. God is judgmental. But here's a story, this story of what happened with the ark that's going to impress on our hearts, on our minds, exactly what holiness is. Each chapter of this story gives us a separate truth to hang on to on our concept of God's holiness, and that gives us something about our relationship with God. Because what, what does holiness have to do with me? We're going to be seeing these next few days together that a proper understanding of holiness transforms our heart. And when our heart is transformed, that transforms our personality. And when our personality is transformed, that transforms our actions. And when my actions are transformed, that transforms my life. So let's read in chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, the people of Israel had just suffered a great defeat. So listen to what happens. Verse 3, when the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty. When the ark of the Lord's covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into their camp, they said. We're in trouble. Nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the desert. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. And so the Philistines fought. And the Israelites were defeated 
and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. This is quite a story about what happened with the ark. And as I said, each chapter, as we walk through what happened with this ark, this place of God's presence, tells us something about our relationship with God. And this chapter reminds us that God, what does it mean for God to be holy? It means God will not be manipulated. Israel made the mistake of trying to manipulate God. They decided that the physical presence of the ark would guarantee God's presence, God's victory in battle. No matter what we do, no matter how unholy we've been, if we just bring this ark in, it's like our lucky card. It is like our guarantee. There's no way God's going to let the ark be captured, so we will certainly win, even though their hearts were filled with sin. You see, they wanted to keep God in a closet and just bring him out when they needed him and then put him back in the closet so he couldn't see what they were doing in their lives. And they, they believed it would work. They were absolutely convinced that if they brought the ark that day, they would have victory. Not only did they believe it would work, the Philistines believed it would work. They were terrified. But both of them forgot to take God into account. They thought, the Israelites thought, God has to bless us. But instead, what do they see? They see nothing but defeat. They see the defeat of Israel. They see the capture of the ark. They see the death of Hophni and Phinehas, who are the sons of Eli. Remember the priest Eli, who was the one who raised Samuel in the temple in his household. And after this, we're going to see next the death of Eli. Down in verse 18, when somebody came and told Eli what had happened in the battle and how the battle had gone badly, he even told how his sons had been killed. So now he's in distress. And then he tells how the ark has been captured. In verse 18, when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. He had led Israel for 40 years. His leadership didn't end well because the ark was captured. God will not be manipulated. He allowed that ark to be taken out. And now he's seeing the result of that sin. And then a fifth thing happens. The defeat of Israel, capture of the ark, death of the sons, death of Eli. Then there's the birth of a boy named Ichabod. Listen to what happens to Eli's daughter-in-law. In verse 19, Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but she was overcome by her labor pains. As she was dying, the woman attending her said, don't despair, you've given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. That name Ichabod, we know it from English literature, Ichabod Crane, the headless horseman, that whole story. The name Ichabod means the glory has departed. And it comes from here in the Old Testament. All this happened, all this disaster, because they tried to manipulate God. Now, the question for me, the question for you is, do I ever try to manipulate God? Do you ever try to manipulate God to keep him in a closet until you need him? For instance, to use prayer as an escape hatch rather than your life's blood. I only really pray with desperation when I can't make it happen myself. That's keeping God in a closet. Or to look upon your Christianity primarily as an opportunity for business rather than the way that you live your life. Or to tell God, God, if you will do this, then I will do this. Keeping God in a closet. 
trying to make God, manipulate God to do what you want to do. God is holy. He is all-powerful, and he will not be manipulated. And the truth of the matter is, he's not meant to be manipulated. When I try to manipulate God, it means I misunderstand my relationship with him. He's not there to do my bidding. He's not there to get what I want. He's there for me to live in relationship with. And so when we try to use God like that, the glory departs. Now, each of these chapters, as we walk through it, they really speak in a positive way towards the kind of heart that we're to have towards God. This is not the kind of heart, the heart to manipulate. So what is the kind of heart? It's the heart to serve. My heart towards God is to be one of a servant, of a servant. When I understand holiness, that gives me a heart towards God, and it helps me to realize I'm not here to manage God. God's here to manage me. He's the one who made me. He's the one who created me. And I've been made, I've been created to live in relationship to him. And one of those ways that I live in relationship to him is I I serve him. Listen, God is to be served, not used. When you try to use him, you'll find that nothing in your life seems to fit into place. But when you start to serve him, you find that everything seems to begin to fall into place. I'm not saying all the circumstances are right or perfect. You still go through struggles and difficulties, but you see how God is at work even then. So I want to have a heart. I want you to have a heart to serve a holy God. And the only way that I'm going to have that, it's not some ethereal thing that I think about. The only way I'm going to have that is to ask the question, how can I serve today? How can you serve him today? Right now in prayer, let's spend a moment asking that question. Just taking a moment to talk to God, just in your heart, say, God, how can I serve you today? Forgive me for those times when I've tried to use you to get what I want. I realize that's not the relationship I'm meant to have with you. I'm meant to live in this relationship of love with you. And out of that, I want to serve you. I want to worship you. I want to be at work in the world that you've given in ways that you want me to work. So Lord, how can I serve you today? in one small way or one great way? How can I see everything that I'm doing at my work, everything I'm doing for my kids, every small task even that I'm doing as an opportunity to serve you? Lord, how can I serve you today? I pray that you'd help me to see this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow we're going to see a second truth about God's holiness, the truth that God will not be minimized. (laughs) 